jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Welcome in and welcome aboard. A Tuesday edition of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. ESPNSyracuse.com, the ESPN app. Plenty ways to get our show on this lovely Tuesday afternoon. Seth Goldberg with you flying solo once again here on ESPN Radio. And uh, you can get to us on the phones at 315-437-7644 or on the text line. If you don't want to call in, you still want your voice to be heard, 2880644 or on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse and at Seth Goldberg 17 I want to talk a little bit as we move along in the show about Noah Syndergaard and how uh, his comments kind of came, uh, you know, we're kind of uh, seeing the future in a way. Let's say that. They were seeing the future in a way as the the Mets came up to Syracuse, New York yesterday, and they're practicing in the Dome right now. We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit. The Mets also making the big news of the day, signing Jacob deGrom. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. We've got our sound check, uh, a roundup of some sounds from the last week around the world of sports, and we'll dive into some of those as we move along in the show. Stephen Bailey coming up in hour number two to talk some SU football with us, and we, we've we got some exciting stuff going on with SU football, and, and uh, you know, we might get into it a, a little bit with Stephen. We'll probably just keep it to on-the-field stuff with, uh, with Stephen, uh, but if you have not seen this already, We are going to have some awesome stuff going on around the spring football game, so we will certainly bring that up here uh, during the show. We'll talk about that. Tom Coughlin, Larry Zonka, Floyd Little, Eric Dungy, James Mungro, uh, all going to be here on campus for the Syracuse spring football game. We've got the AmeriCU Credit Union Spring Football Saturday at the Dome, outside the Dome. Uh, that's going to be an awesome, awesome day, awesome event. So basically, if you liked the Orange Out, if you had fun at the Orange Out, if you enjoyed hearing the stories from Derek Coleman and Lawrence Moten and, and John Wallace and, and Sherman Douglas and, and all these guys who came back, if you liked that, we're, we're kind of doing that again with, with football. So come on out to the spring game and, and enjoy that with us over at the Dome uh, on April 13th. But we'll dive into that a little bit more as we move along in the show. I wanted to start I wanted to start with SU women's basketball. And, it, and it, might, it might feel like a strange place to start. You know, we don't necessarily spend uh, 20 minutes on SU women's basketball all that often. Uh, but they got knocked out last night. 
They got knocked out of the NCAA tournament. They were upset. They got beaten by South Dakota State. They lost a game in their home building that I think everybody up here just assumed they would win and they would move on. I certainly did. I assumed that they would just, you know, win that game and move on in the NCAA tournament and kind of keep that thing that thing rolling. Get to the second ever Sweet 16. Hey, that was the whole point of getting home games, right? Get to the Sweet 16. Make it easy quote-unquote, to get to that second weekend. And Syracuse was unable to do that. And after the game, this quote really stuck out to me from Coach Q. I found it really interesting, and this is kind of where I want to go with it. I don't necessarily want to talk about what Tiana Mangakahia did or didn't do or what Miranda Drummond did or didn't do or why the Orange went ice cold from the field and and why they ended the game on the wrong side of a 16-2 run. That's not necessarily what I want to do with this. I found this quote really interesting from Coach Coach Q after the game. At the end of the day, you know, um, it's my program. It's my responsibility to get us in the right positions to be successful and score and defend. And um, that's where I let them down today. You know, I got to continue to get better, continue to do better jobs, and to put us in positions where to be successful. Um, players work hard. Our staff work hard. And when you fall short, it just doesn't feel good because you know how – how hard you worked and, and, and how much time you put into it. Um, I want to be in a position to where nobody can ever write um, disrespectful things about us in articles and, and pick us to lose before we determine to even start. You know, I've been on upset alert for 13 years and it's getting a little old. So we got to do a better job of not being on upset alert and then also getting upset. I don't view this really as an upset because I think they're a very good basketball team and they're very worthy. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be sitting here anymore feeling that from day one that we have, you know, situations where, where you know, people feel that, feel that we don't have a chance to win a game. We work too hard for that and we're going to continue to be diligent in our work ethics, be diligent in our recruiting, be diligent with our players to become a better program. And I'm going to do everything I can to become a better coach. We work very hard, and we want to make sure that every time we step on the court that we're very much respected and that we are expected to win the game. So there was a lot in there. There was a lot in there that I found pretty interesting, but I kind of keyed in on the middle. I keyed in on the middle where Coach Q said, we've been on upset alert for a while, and I don't want to be on upset alert anymore. And I understand that sentiment. I understand that feeling. You don't want to be that team. You don't want to be that top 15 team in the country that people look at and say, hey, they're beatable. Right? You, if, if you're filling out your bracket, you don't want to look at you know, Syracuse University, especially if you're the coach of Syracuse University. You don't want to have your team looked at and say, hey, they're the ones that are vulnerable to be upset in the first or second round. They're the ones that are vulnerable to lose a game on their home court to a team that, in theory, they are better than, right? They are ranked higher. They are seated higher. I understand why you don't want that feeling. I really do. You don't want it in the women's game. You certainly don't want it in the men's game either, right? Like the the five seed who gets picked, uh, Marquette, right? Marquette was a trendy pick to lose in the the men's tournament. Marquette was a trendy pick to lose to 12-seat Murray State. I bet Marquette didn't feel so good. I bet Marcus Howard wasn't so happy that they were picked as an underdog. So, I like, I understand the sentiment there. 
But the thing that I don't necessarily agree with, and maybe this is because I'm looking a little bit more big picture or a little bit too big picture. Or maybe I'm just looking at this a little more positively than maybe Coach Q was in in the heat of a loss last night. And if I'm off base, please call in. Please tweet at me. Isn't it, in a way, a, a good thing to be on upset alert? Doesn't that mean that if you were to lose, it would be surprising? Doesn't it mean that you've gotten to a point in your program where you can be upset? Which is not necessarily something that we could say about this Syracuse team even going back five years. Going back five years, you couldn't say that Syracuse was on upset alert. Necessarily. You couldn't say that you know they, they were that, that high seed that was going to lose early. They were never quite good enough. They were good enough to make the tournament. They were good enough in a lot of cases to win a game. But they were never good enough to be that home team that was in danger of losing. And maybe they were picked to lose back in 2016 in the Carrier Dome. I, I don't know. I don't remember who was being picked in that situation. But to me, it shows a sign of growth. To me, it shows a, a position of strength that you're now good enough. You're now in a position where people look at you and say, wow, that would, that would be a surprise if this team were to lose early. That would be an upset if this team were to lose early. If this team were to struggle in the NCAA tournament. If this team were to not make the second round, it's an upset. And I know that Coach Q's been at this a long time, and I really like Coach Q, and I, I respect him, and the, and the job he's done is, is fantastic. But to me, when I heard that quote, I looked at this thing big picture and thought, where was this program when Coach Q took over? And could you have imagined when Coach Q first started coaching here? Could you have possibly imagined the level this program has reached and the idea that they would be on upset alert? And maybe you did. Maybe you looked at Syracuse women's basketball and you said, hey, at some point that team is going to be really good. They play in a in a... You know, potentially they play in the Carrier Dome, and I know they didn't at the time, but they could play in the Carrier Dome. They've got great facilities. Uh, Maybe you looked at it that way. But I think that at the same time, you have to realize that being on upset alert in some ways shows the growth of a program that historically hasn't been all that good. Historically hasn't had that same success that their counterparts on the men's side have had. Syracuse being on upset alert on the men's side is something that we're kind of used to. Well, they're the higher seed in in a lot of situations, maybe not the last three or four years, but in a lot of situations, they are the higher seed, the better seed in the NCAA tournament. Syracuse men's basketball was upset in 2014 when they were a a three seed and they lost in the second round, much like this this women's team this year. Syracuse men's basketball was upset When they lost to Vermont in the first round of the tournament. It happens. But to me, being on upset alert is a sign of status. UConn's on upset alert. Notre Dame's on upset alert. Doesn't mean they're going to get upset. 
It doesn't mean that you would pick that when the bracket comes out because almost assuredly you don't. And maybe that's the sign of disrespect that Coach Q is really looking at, saying, hey, when when Selection Monday rolls around and they're rolling through the bracket, the team that they say is on upset alert is Syracuse and not fill in the blank with the other three seed or Oregon at the two seed or UConn at the two seed this year. They're saying Syracuse. And that is a sign of disrespect. That is a, a slap in the face, a punch in the gut. But overall, I look at being in position to be on upset alert. Right? That that team that you start texting your friends about when they're losing. That team that you take to Twitter and make jokes about as they're losing. That team that you gather around the TV. And I'm just going to bring this back to the men's tournament from last weekend. Because I was out at the press room pub on Thursday and Friday. And we were sitting around watching games. And the games that got the most exciting, the games that that people really keyed in on, there were a couple. But when Auburn started to blow that lead, everybody was watching. Auburn was on upset alert. Auburn was the top 20 team in the country all season long. A game that people could not take their eyes off of was Michigan State really struggling with that 15 seed. Really struggling to shake a 15. Back here in the office, we could not take our eyes off of Virginia. Losing to a 16 seed at halftime. We could not stop watching. We stopped what we were doing. We were in an office at a cubicle, came into the studio, put the TV on here in studio, and and just stood here, me and Paulie. We were amazed by Virginia being in that position again. You were intrigued by Iona taking a lead over UNC at the half. Those teams were on upset alert. That's a status thing to me. If you're not gripped, if you're not, you know, pulled in by a team that shouldn't be losing, losing? By a team that shouldn't be losing, trailing to a lesser opponent, then it's not a big deal. It's not an upset. So maybe I'm looking at this all wrong. Maybe I'm the crazy one here. But I looked at that quote last night, and I I read that first, and then I listened to it, and I got a little confused at exactly what Coach Q was getting at, especially here, especially with that program. This program has made incredible strides under Coach Q, incredible strides. And in the last five years alone, we've seen some of the best players ever to be in that program. And Alexis Peterson and Brittany Sykes and Tiana Mangakaya. Some of the best players ever in that program's history here in the last five years. And they've gone to a Final Four and a national championship game. They've hosted NCAA tournament games in the first two rounds. Twice. And so when I look at that, I just say to myself... Yeah, of course you're on upset alert. That's what you are now. You're a top 15 team in the country. You're the 12th ranked team in the nation at the end of the year. 
not a bad thing to be on upset alert. Just means you're good. At least that's my thought on it. If you disagree, let me know. 315-437-7644, the telephone number on Twitter, at SethGoldberg17. We're going to take a quick timeout. We'll be back. I want to talk Mets when we come back. Two separate things. Uh, Maybe we'll split it up, do a quick segment on Noah Syndergaard. Also want to get to Jacob deGrom as we move forward here on a Tuesday afternoon on Orange Nation. Jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered Soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse. Party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. A pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. We are rolling until Matt Park comes and takes over in the booth at 2 o'clock. Brent Axe coming up at 4. Talking all day long here on ESPN Radio. Seth Goldberg with you flying solo. Phone lines open 315 437 7644, the text line, as always, 2880644, and on Twitter, at SethGoldberg17. We started talking the day, uh, talking about SU women's, excuse me, about SU women's basketball. We talked about the Mets a bunch there in hour number one. Talked spring football. We've got that great event going on uh, in just a couple of weeks at the spring football game, and, you know, we'll have... Uh, Stephen Bailey, coming up in about 15 to 20 minutes. But before we get to Stephen, let's uh, let's do a sound check. It's time to get you what you need to hear. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. I'm a man. I'm 40. But we played in, in some really tough ones over my years, you know, playing at Alabama, then playing in the Dome at UTSA. If you want to crown them, then crown their they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Today's sound check on Orange Nation. Okay, so there's a lot to get to. There's a lot to get to. I think before we dive into what happened this week, I think we got to go news of the week. I think we've got to uh, honor Rob Gronkowski. There's, look, look, he's, <laughs> he has said plenty. He has said plenty over the years of things that would have ended up in this soundcheck segment. I found one, and it might be my favorite, and that's why I found this one. It might be my favorite. Here's Rob Gronkowski talking about Tom Brady last October. He's unbelievable. He's a he's a species man out there at the quarterback position. It's just fantastic. He's a specie man out. He's a specie man. 
Oops. I feel like, like, I'm not saying Gronk isn't smart. I'm not saying that. But that doesn't sound like a surprising thing to kind of come out of his mouth. Right? It doesn't exactly sound surprising to hear him mispronounce specimen. He's unbelievable. He's a he's a species man out there at the quarterback position. Oops. Oh well. Uh moving on. <laughs> I'm not a wrestling guy. I'm I'm the first to admit it. I, I'm not into it. I don't understand the appeal totally for like sports fans. I think wrestling, and I don't judge you if you like it. I don't really care if you like it. I think wrestling falls into the same category as like billions. I enjoy watching billions. Sunday night showtime. You know, Paul Giamatti, Damian Lewis. I like watching billions. It's a drama. It's scripted. It's a fantastic show about a hedge fund manager and a prosecutor in the Southern District of New York. Fantastic show. It is highly entertaining. I think of wrestling as the same thing. It's a scripted show. It can be highly entertaining, but instead of being about a prosecutor in the Southern District of New York and his chase down of of a hedge fund manager and the lines that both will cross in, in this pursuit... Instead of being about that, theirs is based around wrestling and based around some kind of sports and athletics. Fine. That is totally fine. If you want to watch wrestling, go for it. I I don't judge it. I put it in the same category as a scripted drama. It's Billions or Hawaii Five-0 or CSI or NCIS or Chicago PD. Whatever one you want to pick. One and the same. However... However, this was a pretty good acting job. What I want, what I really, really want, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. This goes on and on. Yes, that is Triple H. That is Triple H uh, reading off Spice Girl lyrics. What I want. What I really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. I mean, this goes on and on. Now, you can do this with a whole lot of lyrics. Like, you can do this with the lyrics to almost any song, and it's pretty funny if you if you just kind of sit there and read them. Like, if I pull up a Pitbull, a, a Pitbull song lyrics and just started reading them right now, it would probably sound pretty similar to this. What I want. What I really, really want. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna. I mean, this goes on and on. It's just kind of a thing that sounds ridiculous. It sounds crazy when you just, you know, slow down lyrics. And read them. Think about this. This this is a Pitbull song. How stupid does this sound? We gonna boogie, oogie, oogie, jiggle, wiggle, and dance like the roof on fire. We gonna drink drinks and take shots till we fall out like the roof on fire. Now, baby, get your booty naked. Take off all your clothes and light the roof on fire. 
Tell her, baby, 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 I'm on fire. Tell her, baby, 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 I'm a fireball. What I want, what I really, really want, I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I mean, this goes on and on. So again, it sounds ridiculous no matter who does it. I'm a fireball. Uh, One more here to get to. A couple more, actually, to get to. Ron Burgundy. I love that Will Ferrell is is living this thing out. I love that that Will Ferrell is is just dragging this Ron Burgundy character out as much as he possibly can. He's got a podcast. It's a Ron Burgundy podcast. He went to the Kings game. And he was Ron Burgundy in the booth for an entire game. Here's some highlights. You don't mind if I bite into this burrito right now, do you? Oh, my God. When does the kiss cam start? Oh, that's, I don't know. You know? It'd be something like this. Kopitar with the puck. He dribbles. He skates up the ice. Like, Shot on goal! He scores! Put that baby to bed without a diaper. Ben, for those of you at home, we've had to stop action on the ice several times. Yeah. Feral cats have, have run onto the ice. They killed the penalty! Yes! Just shoot! Oh, well, they don't have the puck. It's the first time I've ever been on the kiss cam. This is one of the greatest nights of my life. I got to kiss a burrito. Ron Burgundy, ladies and gentlemen. My favorite, and I don't know exactly where it starts because all I see is a a mess of lines up and down. My favorite was the fake goal call. I think it starts around here. He dribbles, he skates up the ice and says, Shot on goal! He scores! Put that baby to bed without a diaper. See, that's one of those things that everybody thinks they can do. And and look, I I am no Lucas Favalli. I am no Dan Duva. I, I am far from a hockey play-by-play announcer. I, I can't do it. It is it is brutal. Like I, I did football, had a blast with it. I did basketball, had a blast with it. I cannot keep up with the speed of hockey. I, I can't. But everybody thinks you need a catchphrase when you have a goal or a touchdown or a big play, a dunk, a home run. I, I love that Ron Burgundy broke his out. He dribbled, he skates up the ice and says, Shot on goal! He scores! Put that baby to bed without a diaper. Ben, for those of you at home, we've had- Fantastic. Fantastic work by Ron Burgundy. Uh, two more things here to get to quickly. Uh, Timothy Bradley, former boxer, was really confusing Joe Tessitore because he kept throwing $100 bills on their TV set. Big cash in the division. What, what, whoa, look at this, what baby. What, I, what, I, heavyweight what, division. What, Everybody in the heavyweight division need to pay homage to Floyd Mayweather for what, making what $100 million what, possible Timmy, Timmy, you're in the sport of boxing. Money? Pay homage to Floyd Mayweather and money. all you B-level heavyweights. It's real. All you B-level heavyweights out there, baby. It's real cash, and you listen, know it. That's that the crew's going to be diving like, for the set here. Me. Just, like, just like the little Dory the Fish says, just keep winning, just keep up. winning. That's all you guys have to do to line up with but, either but, the three guys, you know, in the heavyweight division, the what? top guys in the heavyweight division, that's all you got to keep doing. Let me explain something to you. Win the and get a shot at the title and big money in the sport. Let me explain something risk. to you. Thank you, Floyd Mayweather. When you fight Pacquiao three times, this is what you carry around. Here, take this. That, that'll fix your tie issue. There, are there you go. There you go, Mark. <laughs> take that. That'll fix your tie issue. 
I love boxers. I love boxers. I don't watch boxing all that much, but they are so brash and out there and fun. I love boxers. There was another video that I was watching earlier today, uh, a, an actual boxing match. One guy swings, totally whiffs. The other guy comes back, punches him right in the face, knocks him out. But he was like so excited. He was like, oh, I got a haymaker. I'm landing this one. Totally whiffed. And then got knocked out literally two seconds later. Boxers are the best. And Timothy Bradley, showing why. Because he just dished out hundreds on that ESPN set. Confusing Joe Tess as they sat there. Uh, Last one we got to get to. Charles Barkley, everybody. Charles Barkley is on the CBS set for the NCAA tournament. And look, it's always a little crazy when Charles is involved. It's always a little out there when Charles is on set. But this one's pretty good. Third straight trip to <laughs> awesome, man. What? You're looking at a different monitor than we are. <laughs> it's just a normal bucket. <laughs> You're looking at the locker room stuff. I love it, man. I love watching four games at a time. I know, but your reaction to what we actually had on the air. Wait, what y'all got on the exactly air? Exactly. A guy, a guy was getting a, a, a soda. A guy was getting a soft drink, and you were like, "Oh, that's awesome." So Charles Barkley was watching a different TV than somebody else. Charles Barkley was watching a celebration from the Michigan locker room where the strength and conditioning coach came and threw water and everybody was throwing water and dumping it on John Beeline. And he thought it was hilarious. Meanwhile, Ernie Johnson is saying Michigan on the way to the Sweet 16 with a highlight of a layup. Behind him. Third straight trip. <laughs> awesome, man. What? You're looking at a different monitor than we are. It's just a normal bucket. <laughs> You're looking at the locker room stuff. I love it, man. I love watching four games at a time. I know, but your reaction to what we actually had on the air. Wait, what y'all got on the exactly. air? A, a guy, a guy was getting a, a, a soda. A guy was getting a soft drink, and you were like, oh, that's awesome. Charles Barkley. Never quite know what's going on. Let's uh, take a time out here. We'll come back. We got Stephen Bailey coming up next here on Orange Nation. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Back here on Orange Nation. Today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amour's CPAs, as it is every day. And we bring in our producer, Tommy Hogan. Tommy, what do you have for Seth, so Steve, uh, Adam Schefter broke some big news this morning. Huge news. What was it? Who who signed? Did they did they expand replay? Did no, none of the above. None of the above. A turkey vulture crashed into Stephen A. Smith's office window at ESPN, right through it. <laughs> they had a huge hole, yes, in his glass window of his office. Because of a turkey vulture just flying right through. <laughs> Could you imagine? I don't believe he was in the office. I don't think he was. Because if he was, it would have been an absolute spectacle. It would have. Now I have I do have a little insight into it. They they you know they this is like one of those instances where it's kind of like a you double have sources? I do. I, I, I like I, this. I have some insight. I like uh, this. There it's kind of like a, a double window, right? So you okay. have like the window on the inside and the window on the outside. It didn't get all the way into the office. Okay. Uh and then the 
So they had to break the whole outer window yes, to, to, replace to get the bird. Well, oh. yeah, to replace it, but to get the bird out. Sure. The bird the bird was then stuck between well, the two windows. There's a hole for the bird to just fly right back out of, no? The bird was unconscious. Okay, that's an while. issue. And they pulled it out and the bird was still alive. That's good. They saved it. I mean, I don't know that they saved it, but a lot of times when this happens, the, the animal dies because sure. they slam into a glass window and they Bit of an impact and in, in smashing through a window. Right. Now, oh. I had... See, I think this is really funny. I think it's really funny that a bird crashed through a window. Like, I, I think it's just objectively funny. It gets better when you figure out it's Stephen A's window. Is this as funny if it's like Scott Van Pelt's window? No, not as funny. And I, you asked me earlier if there was a person that could make it just as funny. And the only thing, John Gruden, if he was still there and oh had an office at ESPN, oh. I think he would be a close oh, one. Be great, yes. Another one that I think is close, and it would have to be this exact scenario, is Mel Kuyper working on his upcoming mock draft. As he's doing the draft. Yes. What if it was like, what if it's like Chris Berman? Berman's that like would work, be pretty good. Berman's like workshopping some nicknames. Yep, I think that would be a pretty good one. Uh, that's about all I can come up with, though. I don't really know. Max Kellerman, his coat. I mean, if Skip Bayless was still there, that would be awesome. Be, the Skip one would be funny. Kellerman and uh, no, I don't think Kellerman's even cl- close up there. I really think. I think if you got into like Berman workshopping yep. some nicknames, Gruden doing anything, or or Mel Kiper, it would be a pretty funny. Yeah. Todd McShay, not no, really. No, uh, yeah. McShay's I, not the personality I think we've got that a, Mel is. I think we've got our guys. I think we've got the only ones that would come close the, to the three Stephen that A. Smith. It would still be funny. Yep. Uh, big I injury. Mean, like, I, sh- I should note, it would still be funny if it happened oh, to anybody. Sure. It's just funny. This is a perfect scenario. It really was. Stephen A. Smith with a turkey vulture going right through his office window. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic, big injury last night. Tough that this is happening a lot in the NBA. Now, we saw it with Gordon Hayward last year, Paul George a couple of years ago. Obviously, Ware with Louisville a couple of years ago. That was kind of the one that started this yep. whole this whole thing. One thing that I took away from this, Seth, I was completely floored and flabbergasted by the fact that the ref ended up tripping over his snapped-in-half oh, oh, leg. I don't ah, know if you, you ever seen the video. No, I didn't watch the video. I heard about it, skip, and I was like, good enough. I don't need to. Skip through the injury part. I was floored. The ref tripped over his leg in the bad leg. Oh, unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen that happen before. We've seen these injuries. I've never seen the ref get involved like that. No, I wouldn't. Look, I was watching the game. I I was watching the Nets game for a while last night. So you did see it? No, I turned it off at the end of regulation. I was like, all right, time to go to bed. Like it was was like time to turn it off. Yeah, I I don't. I didn't care that much. I was okay. just, I, I, I'm a, a, a Nets, air, I'm doing the air quotes here, fan. Sure. Uh, and so I was watching, you know, and, and I, I like watching the Nets this year, but it was like 1230. I was like, I've got to go to sleep. I ended up staying up until like 1.30 last night. I could have fallen asleep, so I could have watched the end of the game. But I'm really glad I didn't see the injury. I got the alerts to my phone that was like Yusuf Nurkic stretchered off, and I was like, cool. Glad I didn't watch that. It was bad. It was one of the one of the bad ones for sure. Um, but I was completely flabbergasted by the fact that the ref just tripped over his leg after it happened. While he's laying on the ground, the ref is just trying to walk away as long as well as everybody else on the court because it was a, such a bad injury. He tripped over the bad leg. Unbelievable. Uh, more news last night. Conor McGregor tweeting out that he uh, is retired, but. Uh, we'll see if you actually buy it, Seth. He tweeted last night, just around midnight, Hey guys, quick announcement. I've decided to retire from the sport formerly known as Mixed Martial Art today. 
I wish all my old colleagues well going forward in competition. I now join my former partners on this venture already in retirement. Proper pina coladas on me, fellas. And I know, Seth, you're not a, 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 a UFC guy. Not really. But I have my, my biggest takeaway from this, it's still called mixed martial arts, right? Yes. Well, I, I don't know what he's going with there. Um, but do you buy this at all? Because he has actually done something like this before in 2016, actually. Yeah, like, I don't really care. Um, I, I, don't, I just don't. You're that uh, you know, interested I, in UFC where even yeah, Conor McGregor just, is the biggest name in the sport? I, just, I don't care. You know, Interesting. And, and I, you know, I, my first reaction when, when you brought the him was, one, I don't really care, and two, didn't he do this already? And, yep. and you told me, yes, he retired, and then, and then he went and fought uh, Mayweather, like, right after. Yeah. And, and maybe that was, like, a condition of his fighting Mayweather, was he had to retire from UFC? I don't know. Uh, there's, a, there's a wrestling aspect to the whole thing in Conor McGregor, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Like there, there is a wrestling aspect and a wrestling feel to Conor McGregor and, and his fighting. Whether it's you know throwing a chair through a bus, or you know the loud, brash personality, and going even above and beyond what we typically see out of boxers and UFC fighters, or you know whatever it might be. Like there, there seems to me to be a a UFC, a, a WWE larger than life kind of persona there and and i i don't know that it turns me off necessarily but i i just don't really care what he do does and i i don't really take anything he does at face value because of it since he's done this before i i'm guessing that it's probably a negotiation tactic that he's not getting a fight that he wants and he really doesn't need a fight anymore he's making a, a boatload of money off of his whiskey that he now Owns so he. I think this is just him saying, "All right, if if, if exactly. I'm not going to get the fight that I want, I'll just retire. You yeah. guys need me more than I need you." And maybe he'll do WWE. I mean, like it, it would work, right? He could, in theory, he could join the WWE. But like I said, he doesn't need to anymore. No, he so I don't know if he to. would fall off the cliff, kind of like that, going from UFC to kind of. Is this, it falling off the cliff? I would say so. From where Ronda he's at, Rousey did it. But she had already fallen. She had like, already this, fallen. She was her cliff. She was so far down the cliff that this was actually coming back up. I believe <laughs> going to the, the WWE. This was on the return. That was on the way back up. <laughs> this yeah. is on the swing back. She's going to be at the first women's main event I in WrestleMania that. history. Ronda Rousey, a part of it. I saw that. Look, you you heard what I said earlier about wrestling. I'm not a WWE guy. If you watch it, I don't hate. Uh, I don't like disparage you for it or judge you for it. Uh, but I do think that. You watch it the same way that I watch Billions or sure. Hawaii Five O or CSI or Blue Bloods or you know Chicago PD or, or name name the drama that's on TV. It it's that it's Game of Thrones with WrestleMania at MetLife this year. So so close by. Wow. I'm interested. Wow. I would be, and it's also in early April. So somewhat like it could be cold for WrestleMania, yeah, which is a little strange. But I'm interested in going because I think it's one of those events that just really like a hundred thousand people go to those events. It's a lot. It's kind of yeah, cool. You no, know, I don't know. I'll pass. Uh, today's business brought to you by Grossman St. Amore's CPAs. Remain focused with today's business on helping clients prosper by providing comprehensive accounting, auditing, tax planning, and preparation services. Visit gsacpas.com. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll wrap it up next here on Orange Nation.